0: Hi everyone I'm Sarah Baker and this is mama stories I created mama stories after seeing how impactful sharing stories can be and overcoming the challenges of motherhood I am where I am today because of the stories of so many amazing strong mamas and I want to share that with every mom I can so follow along to laugh cry and be empowered thanks for tuning in to today's show Have you heard about how we are changing the story for moms? Mama Fund is a nonprofit organization that is dedicated to providing products, services, and education to moms in need. So check us out at mamafund.org. All right. So today on the podcast, we have Shannon. Hi, Shannon. Hi. Thanks for having, or thanks for being here. I guess having me at your house. (laughs) Um, why don't we start off with you just telling us a little bit about who Shannon is?
1: Sure. So um my name is Shannon Leach and I am a mom of three. Um I'm a nurse practitioner and I'm also an online health and fitness coach.
0: Okay. And you have two babies growing in your belly yeah. right now. <laughs>
1: yes, I'm pregnant with twins. So um, exciting. And uh I'll get to it in a little bit, but a big part of our story is that all of our kids are from um IVF treatments and fertility treatments.
0: Okay. All right. Well, let's start with your uh, motherhood journey then. Sure. So how old is your oldest?
1: Uh, She will be five in December.
0: Okay. Five. Yeah. Okay. So walk us through what it was like to become a mom.
1: Sure. So, um, uh, where do I begin? Um, I played college soccer and shortly after I stopped, um, this might be TMI, but um, I never TMI. <laughs> um, I didn't have periods. And so at the time, you know, my mom was kind of concerned and I was a little bit too. And um, I went back to school um, in Rochester, New York for nursing school and saw a doctor there. And he was like, yeah, you're not trying to have kids right now. It's no big deal. Let's not worry about it. And so I didn't really think much more of it. Um, and then I was training for marathons and after we got married, I talked to my doctor and I was actually training, um, for the Boston marathon, um, I ran in, uh, the year that, of the bombing actually. Oh, wow. Um, and so, yeah, <laughs> that's a whole nother story, but so you um, were there when that happened. Yeah. And thankfully, so we had, I, I had finished and my, um, wow. mom, dad, sister, and husband were all there with me. Um, and they were all with me at the time. Um, and so we were about two blocks from the finish line and thankfully didn't see anything or get hurt, but, um, yeah. Wow. So, <laughs> yeah, sorry. That's no total, yeah, total but that's, tangent, but, um, so wow. I'd been training for that. And my, um, OB had said to me, um, I guess she was my gynecologist at the time, but she had said, you know, let's get through marathon training. Cause that is, can be pretty intense on your body. Let's see how things kind of regulate after you're done training. And so, um, I got done training, we gave it that whole summer and still nothing had changed. And so she said, you know, I'm going to refer you to Seattle reproductive medicine to kind of go from there. Um, and so we met with our doctor, I think that August, um, and she, they ran a bunch of tests and figured out that I just, I don't ovulate. It's something called hypogonadotrophic hypogonadism. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Quite the mouthful. Do they have an acronym? Cause I feel like I <laughs> no, will not remember I, that. I know. <laughs> I don't think they do. Um, Anyways, the biggest part, what it means is that I don't ovulate. And so I just don't produce um, the estrogen and progesterone that most women do in order to ovulate. And so I was told that there essentially was not going to be a chance that I'd be able to conceive on my own. Um, And so they give us the option of starting with um, artificial insemination, or now they call it IUI, which is intrauterine um, insemination. And we did two rounds of that, neither of which worked. Um, Which is where they
0: they like inject your husband's sperm yes. into you? Okay, yes. so it's not like egg retrieval
1: No, at yes. this point. Okay, yep, at this point. So it was just, um, they gave me, um, it was a medicated one for me since I don't ovulate on my own. Um, and okay. they, so I did um, shots um, okay. for that as well. Um, and before that, sorry, I can back up a little bit. They tried to, you know, induce a period and do it with just oral medications, but that didn't work. So then we moved on to the um, intrauterine insemination. So and then they give me the meds, um, that help me to, um, ovulate okay. and then injected his sperm. And so they, we did two rounds of that, neither of which took, um, to which my doctor said, we can try again, but the odds are really, really low that mm. this will work. Um, and so how
0: long does each round take? Like, is that weeks in between or yeah, months in between? So, um,
1: with the artificial insemination, we were able to do it. Like I would say at the most, like six weeks between, Okay. um, and so then she talked about IVF. And at this point, it was, there's <laughs> something I had known nobody really that had gone through it. Um, one of my sister's friends had, which was really good because she was a resource for me in the beginning when I really knew, like, none of my friends had dealt with it. Nobody I yeah. knew. And so it was a really kind of lonely journey in the beginning. Um, yeah. And so our first round um was start, we started it late, I guess it would have been 2013. Um, and I ended up joining a fertility support group through Seattle reproductive medicine. Um, which was one of the best things I could have ever done because like I said, it was just such a like dark and lonely road and so unknown and just so many aspects of it. Like the physical aspect of your getting these medications and your body's kind of going a little bit crazy with these new hormones Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, the emotional side of it, like, will this work? Will I ever become a mom? Um, Because it's something that you, I don't know, as a woman, I guess you never question Um, most people inherently, not everybody, not everybody wants to become a mom, but so many women do. And so when you think that that might not be possible and you think, gosh, my body's supposed to do this thing so naturally, like, why... Why isn't it doing this? Um, So having that support group and all these people going through it was really, truly, like, one of the best things I've ever done.
0: And was Um, this group all women that were going through it for the first time? Or had some of them been through it before?
1: Some had been through it before. But a lot of the group, it was going through the first time. So there was a couple of us who were, basically, had our, like, egg retrievals at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, And so... I guess I can share a little bit of like what the process looks like for anybody that hasn't been through it or is going through it um, kind of what to expect. So um, for me, again, it was a medicated one and everybody's story is a little different because everyone has a different diagnosis and what they need in order to help them either ovulate or maybe it's the husband that has the fertility problem or, you know, their egg quality is down or whatever it might be. So mine was always for, the IVF cycle to get the retrievals, um, medicated. And so that's generally shots in your stomach and can be, sometimes I had them three times a day. Oh my gosh. That Um, you're
0: admitting into your stomach. Yeah. Yeah. And so
1: thankfully I'm a nurse practitioner and I'm a nurse, but it's so different when it's yourself. Um, I have no problem giving other people shots, but when it's myself and my husband doesn't do super good with needles either. So I would always just be like, okay, leave the room. And he fainted once when he was a kid for needles. So So you were like, please leave the room. Stay away. Um, so yeah. And most people, um, end up doing the shots and the medications for, I'd say eight to 10 days um, before their body's ready for retrieval. I always, my body just took a really long time. I was kind of a slow responder. Um, So I ended up typically doing um, closer to like two weeks to 16 days, I think was my longest time. They call it your your stimming um, or stimulation from the medications. And so um, you're giving yourself these shots and then they'll bring you in. Um, Usually they don't do it until... You're at least like six days into the cycle of the medications. They check your blood levels and they do an ultrasound. And so I live um, about 25 miles north of Seattle. So I would be driving down for these appointments and I would have to do it. The first one that they open, I generally start work at 630, but they don't open till 745. So I would be leaving my house at six to get there by the 730, 745 appointment Sometimes it would be like a 20 minute appointment. i turn around, go home, <laughs> and drive the 45 minutes home. Um, so you're having all this frequent monitoring and they're monitoring and trying to see like, are your follicles that hold the eggs, are they growing at the same rate? And then at the point that they want them to grow to, um, it's like such an exact science. It's, it really is remarkable to me, but they have to get to a certain point and certain size um, that to have the best chance when they take them out, um, that they'll be mature eggs that then can fertilize. And so, um, they do all this monitoring and then they get to a point where like they're, okay, you're going to do your trigger, um, is what they call it, um, at a specific time. And so what that is, is an injection into your butt, (laughs) um, that helps you then, um, release, um, the eggs so that then when they go in and they can, get them out of the cavity so then basically uh i think it's 36 hours so from the time that you give the shot um is when then you'll go in for the egg retrieval and so you do go under general anesthesia um and they go in and they use a teeny tiny new needle to basically like pop the follicles and then get the eggs out and extract the eggs um and I was never one that produced a ton of eggs. Like some people, they'll do the retrievals and they have like 20 or 30. And the most I ever had was 10 um, and nine respectively. I've done three rounds of IVF. Um, And so um, that first round, we got nine eggs and um, we ended up with three embryos. And a lot of times um, they'll... Uh, your doctor will recommend how many you put in based on your age, your risk factors, um, how likely it is that you'll have success with IVF. And so our clinic and most clinics um, for my age at this time, I was um, just 29 And, um, they recommended just one, but I had seen enough friends and heard enough stories of like, they'd put in two and only one would take or neither would take. And so in our mind, it was like giving us the best chance, I guess. So, um, we put in two our first time and, and neither took. Mm. And, um, I remember, and I'm sorry, I'll probably get emotional um, when I talk about this, but I remember getting the phone call that day and I was sitting on my couch and I'd been waiting all day long. Cause you, I, I didn't. I didn't do a pregnancy test that first time because someone had said sometimes they're false positives because the the shot you give yourself um, before the retrieval is HCG. And so sometimes it can show up still on the pregnancy test. And um, so she had strongly recommended, like, don't test beforehand. And so I didn't. And so I was waiting for that call, waiting for that call. And I just remember her saying, Shannon, I'm so sorry it didn't work. Mm. And I just thought... I mean, in my mind, it was like, this is never going to work. I'm never going to become a mom. Um, And it really was uh, like one of the hardest, most difficult times I've been through because I just, I had no idea if I was ever going to become a mom. Um, Thankfully we had one frozen embryo left from that round. Um, And so we had the failure in January of 2014. And then um, we were able to transfer the frozen embryo in March. Um, and because it takes
0: like time for your body to heal. Yeah. Or? To okay. like
1: recover. And then, um, then you have to start new meds. So then for the frozen cycle it was actually a little bit different. I did like estrogen patches and then, um, progesterone, um, support as well. And some people get progesterone shots in the butt um, which I did for my frozen. Um, and those are nightly for like 12 weeks throughout oh, once wow. you get pregnant. Yeah. And so that one, my husband did have to help with periodically, but usually I could do it myself, but it's this really thick viscous, um, um, it's progesterone in oil. So you're like pushing it. So to do it one handed <laughs> to yourself is quite challenging. Wow. Um, yeah. so, um, we did the frozen one and, um, I, I was sitting at work when we got the phone call and she said, Shannon, it worked, you're pregnant. And mm. um, I just, I sobbed and I just remember just thinking, oh my gosh, like I can't believe this. And um, thankfully I had, um, you know, so then they're really, really good about, um, they bring you in. So you literally find out when you're like four weeks to the day. So, Super early. Um, and I'll go back again too, sorry, because um, once you they do the retrieval. Um, then you, uh, find out the very next day how many actually fertilized. Um, and so uh, they'll give you the phone call and usually it kind of, there's like an attrition rate of like from one day to the next to about 50% they say. So to start out with nine was a little bit scary. So that we ended up with three embryos was pretty amazing. I've never had a lot of quantity, but thankfully I've had good quality of eggs. Um, and so And then they give you a report. Some clinics will give you like daily reports, but ours would give you that first day one. And then for our first cycle, they give us a report on day three and they'll tell you how many are still there. And then, um, but this last cycle, our third cycle, they didn't give us an update until day five, which is the day you come in to transfer. And so you could wake up that morning, they could call you and say, I'm so sorry, none made it. Mm -hmm. Um, Or you can show up and they say, this is how many made it. And so- um, we ended up with that one frozen that then is now Brooklyn, or who will be mm. five in December. Um, and so after that, then they'll bring you in around the six-week mark for an ultrasound, um, make sure, you know, everything's looking good. And they kind of determine um, when from there to um, really see it to your OB. And I found my OB is, like, the best in the world. is Dr. E. Bernstein at um, Providence Medical Group. But she, through for every pregnancy of mine, like, she just knows – My story and everything I've been through, so she will bring me in as much as I want, like you know, way more than normal pregnant ones do. Yeah, and just to hear heart tones and ultrasounds. Yeah, because it's really scary. I mean, for anybody, I think for any woman, especially that first trimester. yeah. Yeah, because. We know that miscarriage is very real and happens to so many people. We know that you know so many people struggle with infertility. it's one in eight, which I've learned, which is i mean wow. a huge number um and so um she was really good about like just more frequent checks and my you know initial o b appointment was always super early, and I had way more ultrasounds than mm-hmm. others might um which is a huge blessing and the only thing different throughout the pregnancy um for Um, my last three um, was that they would do also like a, they called it a fetal echocardiogram, which is just basically a really detailed ultrasound of the heart because there's higher risk for um, congenital anomalies um, for fertility babies for whatever reason. Um, And then I was always in the maternal fetal medicine clinic too because I had been through IVF because there's different risks. Um, But thankfully, um, with all three of my kiddos, so we ended up doing three total rounds of IVF um the first round we Brooklyn was our frozen and the last of that one. And every time I we went through it's funny because people think like once you've had success then you know it wouldn't be difficult or you already know it and yeah. every time it's just this huge emotional roller coaster cuz you're going through like is my are the eggs growing at the same rate? Um are we even going to get any eggs from the extraction? Are any going to fertilize? And then are if those that fertilize, how many are going to actually make it to embryos. And we never did, um, genetic testing on the embryos themselves. A lot of people will do that. Um, and you have to freeze them to do that. But we kind of just wanted one little piece, I guess, to be left to cot or fade or whatever you believe in. Um, just because so much of it is so scientific and so like, (laughs) you know, every step of the way you're knowing everything. So, um, our second round, Um, We also got three embryos, and um, we transferred two for our fresh cycle. And Jameson is our middle son. He'll be three in July. Um, He was the only one that stuck uh, with those two. Mm. And then our third and final frozen from round two was Madden. Um, He's now 16 months, and um, it's just weird to think about because had they transferred Madden and Jameson's at the same time they could have been you know fraternal twins um but they didn't and then I just wonder how our life would have like changed if we had had twins at that point um and so we decided I grew up in a family of four kids um and my husband grew up from a family of three and so we always kind of said we wanted three or four kids and so and um, we had our three and they're obviously very close in age. And some people think we're nuts for that. But part <laughs> of the, part of the reason is because with um, infertility and IVF, like you never know if it's going to work. And so, yeah. and it could take, you know, years or it could, if you're super lucky, it happens the first time, but for most it doesn't. Yeah. Um, And, you know, we had our own failures. And so <clears throat> we always kind of thought, you know, if there's somewhere like close to two years apart, great. Um, if it's sooner, great. If it's yeah. longer, like we'll just deal with that, you know? Um, so our first two are 18 and a half months apart and then 18 and a half months apart. And so we're like, okay. And decided that we would do it just one more time. And cause at this point we had no more embryos. And again, it's just, um, an emotional roller coaster. physically, like <laughs> I would have bruises all over my stomach, you know, mm. and, um, that piece is hard. And then your body's kind of responding to the hormones. And then financially it's, um, it's, uh, it's just horrible how expensive it is. And I yeah. find that it's so, and I feel so sad, um, for some people that like, that's their only option to get pregnant, but literally can't afford it. And I feel very blessed that we've been able to from that standpoint and I really do. I have this big like dream of mine that one day I would love to be able to sponsor like one family a year, um, to do fertility treatment that otherwise couldn't do it just because it's the only way that like we're able to have a family. Um, so we did this last round and, um, again, like my body was just kind of slow to respond. Um, but everything was looking great. We actually got 10 eggs and 10 fertilized, which never happens. I mean, usually like with our other two, I think five had fertilized. And my friend who actually works at Seattle Reproductive was like, I've, I've never really seen that, like they all fertilized. And, um, but then when we got to the day of transfer, um, they said, uh, we have two to transfer today and they counsel you a lot because, you know, the risk, of putting in two is that you'll get twins or you could even get triplets or whatever. Um, and are you sure that they you can split? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And so some people they, you know, they'll put in two and one splits and then they have triplets or you put in one and they could split even. Um, so they counseled us a lot on that, but again, because we had had two other fresh cycles where neither took and then one took we're like, you know, we feel strongly about this. And we had had three more growing out at that point. Um, and they were going to call us the next day to say how many made it. Um, and we did the transfer and I, one thing I've always done with every transfer is, um, there's a woman and her sister who work, um, their partner was Seattle Reproductive, they're acupuncturists. And so did a treatment before and after. And this time I found this, um, app called mindful IVF, um, that's a meditation app. And so I did that before and just, it was like a really calming, like peaceful experience. Um, And the next day we're out for a walk and I got a call saying that none of the other embryos had made it. Mm -hmm. And, um, for anyone that's been through it, like it feels like a total loss because you, you envision it as like a future child. Right. And so, um, at that point I was, I was pretty devastated. Um, but I also thought, you know what, like if this, if, if this isn't successful, like I'm, I was totally at peace with like where we're at. We've been so blessed that the fact that we've gone through IVF, um, three times and, you know, we've done, uh, how many transfers, one, two, three, four, um, <laughs> transfers, wow. um, and then had our three kids. So I, I got to this place of like, whatever yeah. is meant to be, this is just meant to be, um, and a few days before we tested this time, um, I was like thinks I would get waves of nausea. And I was just like really tired. And so I was like, maybe both of them took, you know, but. You just had a feeling. Yeah. (laughs) But not really thinking that it would because it never has worked. Well, and you probably don't want to get your hopes up. Right. I think that's a lot
0: with IVF from what I've just heard is like, it's a big roller coaster of like, you have to kind of match like what you thought motherhood was going to be like in this plan, you know, that we all have in our mind to like, okay, it actually is like a equation. Of totally. how this is going to work and it's not up to me. And there's not a lot of control that I have.
1: Right. And I think that's the hardest thing is the lack of control. Um, because in so many aspects of our life, like we have control over so many things. Yeah. Um, and this, you have no control. Like you can control what you put in your body. your are ex- like the things that you can control, you try to. Um, but aside from that, it's just like, you just have to give it up to medicine and science and your team and God if you believe in God which you know I do but um yeah so there's just there's just so much unknown and you really have to like relinquish any expectations that you had because you know my if you had asked me years ago if I thought my vision or my journey to motherhood would be this way I would have had no clue what it would look like but um I'm also just grateful that it's worked for us because I know that there are so many it hasn't for which absolutely breaks my heart because um I know what it's like to be on the other side of it and wondering if it will ever work for you, too, when you see other successes. And yeah. actually, since I started a Facebook support group, um, which is has over 100 women now, which has been really great. But it was just I wanted to be able to give some other people outlet. And then it helped me as well, because, like I said, in the beginning, it was, you know, such a lonely and dark time and you just feel pretty isolated and even though like my husband's the most amazing support system and always has been but um it's just different and you just need people that have been there and are going through it and everything but um anyways I totally digressed a little bit (laughs) hey guys are we best friends yet make sure that you
0: are following mama stories on instagram and facebook at the mama stories also you can check us out at mama com there you can read share and even sign up to be on this podcast so go do it right now well maybe after this episode I did have a question yeah, for yeah, you yeah. so um, you talked about Brooklyn and mm-hmm. finding out that you were pregnant with Brooklyn for the first time and that you know overwhelming moment that happened where you cried I just wonder like was that a lot of fear as well because you worked so hard for her and then you were like oh my gosh what would happen? you know, now you, it's not that you are in control, but you almost are more in control when it Mm -hmm. sets. Um, like how, how was that transition from like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited to holy moly. I need to make sure that, you know, I don't run too fast or, I mean, all those fears, right. That we have. Totally.
1: Um, and I mean, even this pregnancy, it's my fourth pregnancy and twins, like every single one was the same fears of like, Am I am I doing too much? Am I doing too little? Am I eating the right things? Am I, you know, should I not be doing this and actually with Brooklyn? So um, we found out on a Thursday, I think. And that Saturday we went for this bike ride. Um, And my doctor said that it was fine, but I was I was clipped in um, and went over these tracks and I actually fell. And I was just sobbing and I, you know, I was like, oh my God, oh my God. Like, what if something happened to her? And everything was totally fine. Um, My doctor then said, I probably wouldn't clip in again, you know. Um, But so (laughs) there were certain things like I, a lot of women will will run through their first trimester and I just never have because... And I know, I know, like from the science side of things, as a nurse, I know that there's no like correlation that like running is going to cause miscarriage, but I also didn't want anything to blame because through their fertility process, like it brings a lot of guilt and Mm self-blame, um, which, um, is something that like I've had to work through, you know, because I, like, I really did think like at times I felt horrible and like, Oh my God, would my husband have married me if he had known, you know, Mm. that I wasn't going to be able to like have children for him. This was before we had kids, obviously, you know, but I really had this like horrible, like, this is my fault. This is, there's something wrong with me and I'm causing this and affecting all these other people. So, um, and, you know, it's, it's not like the first trimester ends and then all of a sudden, like, all the fear goes away. It's just every step. anything I think it's for every mom, like, it is, not yeah. just with fertility, but you're like, okay, and then is the, like, anatomy scan going to be okay? Or if you do genetic testing, are they going to be okay? And I remember saying that to my dad, like, um, you know, every, every ultrasound, I'm like, are they going to be okay? Or, You hear the horrible stories of of people with pregnancy loss, um, whether it's early in the first trimester or late losses, and it's just uh, it's such a like blow to the gut because I just I it seriously I can't even like process how horrible it is and how many people go through that. But um, I remember saying to my dad like, you know, I like worry so much, and and then you worry about like you're gonna get to the delivery and how that's gonna go and what that's gonna look like and yeah, um, you have this grand plan and it never really turns <laughs> off the way that you, you think it'll be as like this, such motherhood. a journey. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Anyways. Um, and he was like, Shan, he's like, let me tell you something. You're 29 years old and I still don't stop worrying about you. So it was just such a beautiful reminder that like, you'll always worry. Like motherhood is just about because you, you love so much. And yeah, your heart just explodes and <laughs> grows more than you've ever possibly known when you have kids, you know, that, um, the worry never stops. But I think that anyone that's been through a fertility journey or some type of loss, um, would say that it, it certainly feels heightened throughout. Yeah. Um, but I just, you know, all I can do is what we can, any of us can do is just try to, really like relish every single day like and that's what I tried to do because every day that I was pregnant was something that I had never experienced before especially with Brooklyn the first time you know and so I just tried to like find gratitude and joy yeah. um, in the present and try not to worry too much about what was to come because and it's much easier said than done I know that but Um, it is definitely something you have to work on. Yes. Yes. And (laughs) be very like (laughs) conscientious about. So, and, um, I would say with this pregnancy, my twin pregnancy, it's even more heightened. Um, just knowing, um, there's a lot more risks for twin pregnancies. So we met with like our specialist, um, I guess a week and a half ago and she was running through. Okay. So we're going to first talk about risks for moms that are increased. And then we're going to talk risk for babies and like all these things, you know, and it'd be very easy to just be like, Oh my God. Um, but again, I'm just trying to be like, okay, all I can do is take care of me. And, um, you can probably see that book over there. It's on like <laughs> multiples, twins and triplets. And this woman, oh, yeah. she's um, like really well, re- re- well researched and talks about how important it is, um, that you gain 20 pounds by 20 weeks or some say 24 by 24. Um, and you know, try to take care of yourself. So that like, I think that's all we can do is just do the control yeah. the things that we can to, give ourselves the best outcome because they say like the weight gain then really decreases the risk for preterm labor, which is really high with twins. And so, um, there's been a lot more and different like worries and stresses this pregnancy versus other pregnancies. Um, but I'm also just trying to really, again, enjoy every part of it. Cause it's going to be my last for sure. <laughs> Someone yeah. the other day was <laughs> like, are you done after this? I'm like, we are done at five. Yeah. <laughs> Husband would kill me if I was like, You're like, we're a party of seven.
0: That's when they start like charging you gratuity at (laughs) restaurants because you have too many people. My sister has four kids, so she's a party of six. Oh, yeah. She always is taking on every other like baby in the world, just helping out moms. She's the best. So I feel like every time we go somewhere, she's like, party of 10, 15? I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I know. Do
1: we need the That's whole like, restaurant? Like, I guess what? the only good thing is is that some restaurants like only take reservations if it's party of six or there more. There So go. I guess we're all set okay. there. There you go. You'll always get a good seat. <laughs> yeah. That is good.
0: Okay, so the last um, treatment of IVF, you mentioned that you got the call that none of them took after your implant of the two. Mm -hmm. When did you find out that you
1: were pregnant with the twins? So, yeah. So, um, that's one thing I didn't explain. You have this nine day waiting period. Okay. Um, so from when they transfer, so egg retrieval happens, um, some clinics will transfer in at day three, but now I think more of the literature shows that, um, day five embryos, like if they make it to day five, this blastocyst, they have the best chance for actually implanting um and so they transferred um we had a day five transfer and they transferred the two in and then some clinics make you wait two weeks but our clinic's always been nine days so they call it the two-week wait in infertility world um i've got to tell you it feels like two years um most people are like what do I do during this time? And literally it's just like, keep yourself as busy as you can like do whatever you can because you are just waiting. And, um, like I said, some people will test at home. Um, and I was really torn whether or not to, but you don't want to do it too early because you often have that HCG in your system. Um, there can be false positives. There can be false negatives. So again, it's just this whole kind of mind F (laughs) um, without saying the actual word. Um, but, um, we did decide to test at home and so we had transferred on a Friday and I tested on day six, which was a Thursday. Um, and it was positive. And so, but again, you don't want to get your hopes up or you know, I'm like, what if it's not? So I literally like tested every single day until Mm -hmm. that following Sunday, which was day nine. And we went in for the blood test, um, and then got the call a couple hours later and she was like, congrats. And, um, at that mm. point you have no idea. So like the HCG level sometimes with twins can be like really high, but with a single one, it could be high on that first level. Um, and then they test every 48 hours, um, 48 to 72, cause they want it to, uh, double basically um in 48 okay. to 72 so do you have hours. to go in to get mm-hmm. these tests wow yeah That's so a lot. driving back to it's so many appointments yeah but um yeah so then we got another level and again it's like who you know i'm feel like do you think it's something i don't know like i have no idea um and so then about a week and a half after that we went in i was just about like like five weeks and some change, um, so all they could see was that there was two sacks. Mm. Um, but at that point, there's no way of knowing like are both actually growing. But there was two sure. sacks. and um, my doctor was like, "You seem surprised that it worked." And I'm like, "Well, we've done this before of putting in two, and two never took." And um, and then we went in about a week and a half later, and there was heartbeats for both of them, Ugh. and which is again one of the most like reassuring most beautiful sights that I've ever seen. Um, yeah. And I remember her saying to me, and I had my same exact doctor the whole time. Um, and she said to me, can you like think about like, if you would have like thought about this you know, five and a half, I guess, it would have been six years ago, would you have ever imagined that you'd be here, you know, if your three kids and yeah. pregnant with twins now, and I said no, and I was just sobbing, and, mm-hmm. you know, thanks her for everything, and I didn't even know the whole time, but she actually is a twin mom, too, so she is like, if you ever need advice, let oh, me know, that's so, so sweet, yeah, oh,
0: that just has to be so relieving and so terrifying at the same time, I mean, just all of it, like yeah. the work that you put into, um, Having your family is inspiring. Oh, thank it's, you. <laughs> it's amazing. I mean just I felt like I had a lot of doctor's appointments and I couldn't imagine the like time and, you know, going back and forth. And then you also had kids and you were working. Yeah. With all of this, I mean that's and plus you're owning your own business with being a beach body coach and yeah. trying to be fit and that's just a lot that you take on all the time. So Kudos to you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. That's amazing.
1: I think we all do what we have to do, but to, you know, to survive and to, you know, try to get like to our vision of what we want our family to be, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it, you're pregnant
0: with twins now. That's exciting. And when we were introduced through a friend of ours, Mm -hmm. mutual friend, um, I obviously was like, Oh, I got to know this girl. And so I was looking at you on Facebook and Instagram and you had a picture of you pretty new pregnant with the twins. And you Mm -hmm. talked about like the value of sharing your pregnancy early to you. Um, which we all know. And I, I know this too. Like I found out we were pregnant with Grayson super early, four weeks, Mm -hmm. actually same thing. Like I just took a test and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm pregnant." And then went to the doctors. I was like, "Oh, I really am pregnant." Like, yeah. that's crazy. That was really fast and so we found out really early. So that waiting period of telling people was so hard to do, but yeah. for my husband it was really important. And mm-hmm. I I didn't have a lot of the same fears, but again, I just I had never been in it, mm-hmm. you know? And so I didn't know what it felt like to be pregnant. I didn't know what it felt like to lose a baby, and so I just I think I was a little naive in that whole regard. But I'm curious, like you having such a journey mm-hmm. to get to just becoming pregnant, like why is it important for you to share, hey, I'm pregnant, I don't yeah. know what this is going to do, but.
1: Yeah, so um, with my first three pregnancies, um, even though like with the first one, I had this support group, right? I still like, I told like my best friend and my sister that I was going through the cycle. Um it wasn't until the third one, I think, like we told both sets of our parents even because I didn't really, I felt like I didn't want anyone else to go through the emotional roller coaster that I was going to have to go through because I knew how hard it is. And I knew that if it didn't work, like how sad my mom would be for me, you know, and I, mm-hmm. um, so we were very quiet about it. Um, and I think the fear of like, if it fails, you know, feeling like a failure or something or having to tell people like that, that that's a very real <laughs> Real feel feeling and um, fear. And so for the first three, we like were pretty quiet about it. And then, you know, um, we told like our parents right away when we did get pregnant. Um, But for those three, we did what everybody else does mostly and we waited until we were through that first trimester. Um, and this time um, before going through the IVF, I I don't know what changed me. I honestly think part of it is um, being a beach body coach is that um, I have become more like open and sharing things um, about my life. And I think because I've realized that it's um, a healing process for me um, to be able to connect with other people that have been through, through it also, but then being able to hopefully like help others on their journey. Um, and so my thinking was like, if I could share my IVF journey, um, you know, this whole time of like, just walking people through like step-by-step of what to expect that hopefully then anybody else that has to go through it would feel comfortable, like reaching out to me or having, if I was, maybe their only like one support or yeah you know, that they would have that because of the times that I felt so completely alone mm-hmm. in it. Um, and so I decided, um, I had a conversation with my husband and like make sure he was on board with it and sharing it. Cause it is very public and it's very open and, um, some people don't agree with it. Um, but again, I just, and my dad said it best once, like he was like, it's amazing. Like if you can help one other person, like then it's going to be all worth yeah. it, you know? And, and that really was my thought is, If I can just help one other person on their journey, um, it's worth it to me to be vulnerable and to share that. And so I had started sharing my story, like every step of the way of like, okay, today's retrieval day, today's transfer day. You started at the very beginning. Yes. This time, but never before. Um, and so then it was kind of like, well, I have to tell people I'm pregnant, but at the same time I wanted, I just wanted it to be like totally out there and share with people and in hindsight, you know, I thought about it a lot. And I I think this is the poster you're referring to of like, why we keep it a secret and why I felt the need to keep it a secret. And I think it is that fear, fear that you might lose a baby or whatever might happen. Um, but this time I just thought, my gosh, like the support I received, like just through the process to, to become pregnant this round, um, was so overwhelming, um, of support and love for the most part. Um, Were there people that you mentioned
0: earlier, some people don't agree with what IVF?
1: No, just, um, me being so open about it. It just made them uncomfortable. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, and I don't, I don't know. I don't, I'm not saying everybody else has to share their story, but for me, it was actually like the easiest IVF process I've been through because Mm. I wasn't carrying the secret. And I felt like, through my IVF process. And then even like the first trimesters of my other pregnancies, I was carrying this secret, which is really hard. Like, you know, you're pretending you're drinking wine because you don't want people to know you're pregnant. And I, and I I get it. I totally get it because I did it the first three times, but this time it was like such a relief to be like, I'm actually five weeks pregnant. And God forbid, if something happened, I knew that then I would have just this whole like network of support of family and friends and other people that would catch me when I fell. Um, and again, I just, um, wanted to be super transparent and just show people the whole journey because, um, I've been always really open about the fact that my kids are IVF, but people that haven't been through it or, you know, um, don't know people that have gone through it, um, might not know all that it entails. And it's, sure it's, it's a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. <laughs> Um, and you know, it's, um, I've just had so much supportive people that are like, this is really fascinating to me actually. But also, you know, I hope that even if someone hasn't gone through it themselves, if they're reading and following my journey, that then they have a friend or a sibling or somebody who ends up going through it, then they, um, better know, like what the process is like, and then maybe can best support them, I guess. So, um, and it really has been just this like huge weight off my shoulders of like not pretending why I'm going to appointments or not Mm. pretending like, I mean, because I'm a health and fitness coach, I like share my workouts on Instagram stories. And so to all of a sudden like not be working out and but I didn't want to lie about it either because that's just not my nature. Um, so it was so nice to just be totally honest of like, this is exactly what we're going through or whatever. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's not what everyone would want to do. And I don't, everyone should have to and everyone gets to choose that but it really was um I just it felt really good this time to not feel like I was carrying this secret with
0: me I think that's a good way to look at it like that added pressure almost was off but I also I also understand that being vulnerable and being open about something so personal can also be really hard Mm -hmm. so I, I get both sides of it um, like I mentioned, I really just wanted to tell every, I was so excited. I just wanted to tell everybody I was pregnant. I couldn't yeah. wait until that 12 week, week mark. Um, but I also, you know, heard from a lot of people, like it can be really hard to do
1: that publicly mm-hmm. if something else was to happen. Right. And to, like telling to untell is really, would really be hard too. Yeah, yeah it would be hard. Yeah. But I also
0: think that there's something really great. Like I've never gone through that experience, but Just from hearing your story, from following on Instagram, like there's little pieces of that that I can really appreciate. And so now when I see a mom who is going through that, I understand at least an element of the strength and the work that it takes to build your family, where the strength and the work just looks different for me. Um, And you mentioned before, like practicing gratitude, which I'm big on. I love Brene Brown and all of her um, (laughs) wisdom. but. Uh, I think also by sharing your story, it helps other people practice gratitude because I, obviously motherhood is a journey and it's got curveballs and it's hard and it's easy and all the things. Right. But I think hearing somebody's story to get into motherhood helps me practice gratitude. Like when I'm frustrated or when I'm having a hard day, like it's a really good thing for me to be like, man, I'm so grateful that 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 was my journey into motherhood and that I get to watch all these strong women do it differently. But like that gratitude
1: that I get from it and that I'm sure other moms get from it is so big too. Like oh, it's so well, thank helpful. You. Yeah, I think it's helped me find even more gratitude too because motherhood is not easy. I mean, no. anybody that tells you differently, I'm like, I don't know who you are, but yeah, <laughs> I don't know that that exists because it is hard and it's so it, hard. I mean, it's a journey, but I think too, it's like, you know, it feels like this horrible, hard day or like literally, was it last night? My husband was at, um, at a meeting and my son and daughter were fighting over who was closing the window. And, um, my three-year-old son literally bit her, um, like the worst bite I've ever seen. Um, and so it's moments like that where like, you've got to be kidding me. But like, so my life is not perfect by any means. Um, But I think the thing about it is that there's really hard days and there's really hard nights and you're having these sleepless nights. But like in those newborn phases, even I just, it was like, and I think every mom feels this way. Like you don't care how tired you are or how little sleep you've been getting. Like you look at that beautiful face and you're just like, oh my gosh, this is all worth it. And I think particularly like the journey that we went down, I just, I feel like there's nothing I can do, but just be so thankful that we have our kids and our family and two more on the way. And I just feel incredibly blessed. And I just can only hope that other moms that are struggling with fertility or becoming um, mothers can have that same joy and gratitude. And I, I truly believe that you know, we, we always have this vision of like what our family's going to look like. And I remember my sister before, um, our, like after we had our first failure, she was like, I wish I could give you a picture 10 years from now of your family. Mm. She's like, cause you will have a family. She's like, I don't know what it's going to look like, you know, but you are going to have a family. I wish I could give you a picture so that you could see, you know? And, um, I just, I think that's like such a great thing to remember is that it might not be, the journey that you imagine um but if your goal is to be a mom or to have a family you will get there in some way whether that's through fertility treatments or adoption or a surrogate I've met so many people that have gone so many different routes or that you get naturally pregnant and you don't have to do any of that but um it's yeah. just such such a journey and such a beautiful journey no matter what you go down and there's going to be big hills and valleys but um it, it really is all worth it at the end of the day. And yeah. um, my youngest brother was actually adopted from Korea. Um, and so um, for the longest time, like we talked about adoption as an option too, and um, um, but decided to try the IVF route first. And so mm-hmm. I just think there's so many um, ways and means to become a mother. And it's yeah. um, just inspiring to hear how people do it. And like you said, I find so much, um, I see so much strength in other women particularly ones that have suffered far more losses than I have. And mm-hmm. yet yeah, are just able to, you know, carry on with their life and still be these like positive rays of light and, um, yeah. and find hope, um, in their journey and all of our journeys. And I think that's all you can do. And I've actually always, my sister for my first one, I had a bracelet that said, there is always hope. And the necklace I'm wearing for this one, I would always have something with every i v f cycle just because I just needed something to cling to, and um this is um it says hope in um I can't remember what the like the dotted lines you know of um oh in uh like braille, braille? um uh, yeah, not braille but the other uh anyways, yeah, so it says hope in that, <laughs> um but I think like it, it, that was the one thing that kept me afloat is mm-hmm. just like holding on to that hope um. Uh, that I would become a mom one day so Mm, yeah that's so good
0: well Shannon I really appreciate your time today you've given us a lot of wisdom (laughs) from the beginning to now but I'm just curious like overall like what's your overarching advice for a mom whether it be someone that's going through IVF or just someone that's in the newborn phase or maybe they have older kids like what's your ultimate advice for
1: moms Oh, that's a hard one. Yeah. <laughs> like, can or I, your biggest can lesson learned? People give me advice. Um, yes. No, I no, think we love to give and give advice <laughs> yes. as parents. Yeah, <laughs> um, I would say um, the biggest piece of advice I can get, and I think so many moms I've heard this they that they say um, the days are long, um, but the weeks and months will fly by. Mm-hmm. Um, and having an almost five-year-old, um, I would say that could not be more true. Um, because those first weeks, months, sometimes year and a half group, whatever, a parenting feels so hard and mm-hmm. you're so tired sometimes. Um, but I think just remembering to try and, um, savor the moment. And, um, there was one thing I'd read one time that was like, like, hold on to all the moments whether they're really really hard or really beautiful because you want them to like you want to remember those and um pretty soon your kids are not going to want to crawl into your lap or cuddle like mommy cuddle with me at night and, and those things that I will miss so dearly, you know, I talk about like we were talking about earlier of like wiping bums and changing (laughs) diapers and like how nice it'll be when we don't have to do that. But at the same time, I know I will absolutely miss that phase and that stage. Um, So again, just finding gratitude and um, the beautiful moments, um, no matter how chaotic or loud or crazy your house is, because if you're ever at our home, (laughs) three kids four (laughs) and under it is all of those things but it's also just complete beautiful chaos so Mm -hmm. um yeah good just finding joy and and remembering that it'll go far too quickly the good and the bad so yeah
0: I yeah I love that you said that I'll tell you one thing that popped to my mind was we had we have friends that have older boys um like five and eight. Uh, I'm going to mess up their ages cause I'm terrible. Uh, but we were at their house recently. We hadn't seen him in a while and Grayson has a binky and it's a long story, but it's a very big fear of mine. Like removing the binky from him is a big fear, yeah. um, that I have and like, I'm anxious about that period. And so I remember he was eating it, like sucking on it. And they were like, Oh, I missed that phase. And I thought, so funny I hate this face like (laughs) because I'm terrified of what's the next step but they were like look at it just like look at it just was he sucks on it and I was like oh gosh like do you want to remove the binky from him? it's (laughs) terrible but now whenever I see him have a binky not every time but most times since that time I'm always like oh someday even though it's gonna suck when I have to remove that from your mouth and never give it back to you. Um, someday I'm going to miss when you ask for it or when you have it in your mouth or when he tries to stick more than one in his mouth at a time, like someday we will miss those times. So mm-hmm. just to grasp them, even if they're cause you a little bit of anxiety or joy or pain, um, think that's really good advice. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, Of course. Well, thank you for spending time with me today. You are such a busy mom, so I can't, (laughs) can't thank you enough. I really appreciate that. And I know a lot of women are going to listen to this and be very inspired by you. Oh,
1: thank you. Well, I just, um, am completely honored that you asked me to share my story. So thank you. And, um, I love your podcast already. I'm so excited to see how it grows. So thank thank you. you.
0: Thank you for listening. I hope you loved it. Please subscribe to this podcast so you can get the latest episodes and tell us what you think about it in the reviews. And mamas, I love you.